You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. When Michigan voters approved Proposal 2 in 2018, they were told it would create congressional and state legislative districts that would better represent constituents. For decades, the party that controlled the state legislature every decennial year was able to draw those maps in secret, and they were drawn to the advantage, sometimes the extreme advantage, of that political party. That's why Republicans have dominated the state legislature for so long in a state with a population that is split pretty evenly between Republicans and Democrats. But Proposal 2 changed that. We now have a redistricting commission that is made up of 13 members, four identify as Democrats, four identify as Republicans, and five say they don't affiliate with either major political party. The Michigan Independent Citizens Redistricting Commission has been really hard at work trying to draw new district maps and is using a whole bunch of different rules. Partisanship is really not part of the process this time, and so other factors like communities of interest and minority votes are the things that they're really looking at in terms of how we ought to be divided and maybe put together as different communities in different districts. Pretty soon, the commission is going to open up its public comment period once it finalizes these proposed maps. But there is a lot of anger and frustration that I see on a daily basis right now on both sides of the aisle about how this process is going so far and what these new proposed maps look like. Now, before we get to our guests, I just want to say something about the nature of this opposition, this complaining about these maps. I think it's important, really important, that we are hearing from both sides of the aisle about their displeasure with these maps, and that we are hearing, in many cases, from ordinary citizens about this. There are a lot of people paying attention to this. There are a lot of people engaged in this process who otherwise would be left in the dark if we were still allowing the state legislature to handle this process the way that it did. So I think it's important for all of us to keep that in mind, even as we scrap or maybe even fight over what these proposed maps do to our communities uh, and what we end up with. So here to talk about all of this are two people who know a lot about redistricting and our history of partisan gerrymandering here in the state of Michigan. David Daly is author of a book about gerrymandering, which we will be referring to on the radio today as Rat Bleeped, uh, the true story behind the secret plan to steal America's de democracy. He has a piece in the New York Times titled, Voters Wanted Fair Redistricting, They May Get Gerrymandering Instead. David Daly, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me back, Stephen. Also with us is Jeff Timmer. He's a former Michigan GOP state executive director and longtime political strategist. Now, he's somebody who helped redraw Michigan's politically influenced maps in 2011, and they were drawn to favor Republicans, especially in the state legislature. Jeff Timmer, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. I look forward to this conversation. So I'm going to start here 
with both of your impressions of the maps that we are seeing so far coming out of Michigan's new redistricting commission. There are many drafts that are out there, and the commission, I think, is doing a fair job, at least, of showing the process, showing how the sausage is is getting made here. Uh, David Daly, have you had a chance to look at these, and what's your, your reaction to them, given your take on partisan gerrymandering? I have. Uh, thank you, Stephen. Um, this is indeed the first time that regular citizens have had to take on this really difficult job. It's been made even harder by the fact that the timelines have been compressed by the U.S. Census data being late. And these are, you know, 13 regular citizens taxed with a very difficult job. Um, I think that the 10 draft maps that they approved the other day does a reasonably good job of unwinding much of the gerrymanders that we saw in in Michigan State legislature and the congressional map over the course of the last decade. I had a lot of concerns along the way as they were getting there, um, concerns uh, about, 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 about staffing, concerns about speed, concerns um, about whether partisanship was seeping into the process, concerns about the um, uh, very conservative and uh, 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 law firm that they brought on as litigation counsel in order to, um, uh, that has got a history of defending pro-Republican gerrymanders. It seemed like an odd move for a commission that was tasked with um, trying to restore public faith in this process. Um, But I think that what they have come up with here by most of the metrics has got a small Republican lean, but does a really good job, I think, of... um, bringing back some balance and competitiveness into a purple state. Mm-hmm. And now that the public hearing process is about to begin, I think the real point of tension is about to become over racial representation, especially in the city of Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, and the question of um, when, you know, when Democrats have been packed in the state in the past, and gerrymandered, it has largely been black Democrats in de- 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 Detroit and elsewhere who have been packed into districts that mm-hmm. you know, 70 or 80 percent of the of the district. And these maps attempt to, to pull that back. Um, and the question is about to become whether they have pulled it back too far. Right, right. Uh, Jeff, uh, this is a process that I'm sure you're looking at quite differently from the rest of us because you used to be behind the curtain with uh, state legislators trying to figure this out outside the public view and certainly with partisanship at the front of 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 their minds i i wonder what you make of what we've seen so far from this really different approach well, I would say that the commission has done a reasonable job in moving the needle more toward the center, more toward fairness. But 
but I would say they still have a long way to go. They have a long way to go into erasing the Republican advantage that is still built into these plans, these 10 maps that they've come out with this week, still have the thumb on the scale to favor Republicans. And it's pretty easy to undo that. Um, and I'm sure that the uh, they'll hear a lot more about that during the public comment period. And, uh, you know, I'm hopeful that they will move uh, these partisan measures, these these measures of fairness across the state, across these plans, that they'll move them closer to the center, closer to zero than they are today. Because, you know, it's it's certainly no secret. Uh, a federal court uh, ruled uh, that the maps that I helped draw uh, 10 years ago, as, as well, uh, I drew the maps 20 years ago as well, but they've ruled that those maps were uh, disproportionately uh, uh, disadvantaged the Democrats, were drawn to maximize uh, Republican uh, uh, seats in the legislature and in Congress. And so if, if those maps were uh, extremely gerrymandered, the commission coming out with maps that are just a little bit gerrymandered in favor of Republicans still, I don't think, meets the intent intent of the constitutional amendment that was passed in 2018. So that's why I say the commission still has some ways to go. So I, I do want to talk about the uh, maps and the way they treat African-American voters in particular, because I think this is likely to be one of the frontiers of the arguments about about the maps. And it is also something that is controlled by by federal law. And there are a lot of requirements that have to be met. Uh, David, you started to talk a little about the history of packing African-Americans into districts in cities like Detroit that were, you know, north of 70 or 75 percent uh, African-American places where uh, there was no doubt about the likelihood of electing an African-American uh, to represent the, the, the people in those districts, these new maps spread those, those districts out and include voters of different ethnic background, but also people who live in different geographic locales. Uh, and, and all of them on some of the drafts um, are below 50% African-American, which I think has got a lot of people nervous about whether that is an attempt to dilute the African-American voice in, in our state legislature. Um, uh, the, again, this, this, this is a really sensitive part of the process, and it's going to look different than it did before. I guess the question is, how different is okay still with all of the rules that uh, we're supposed to be following? I wonder if you can talk just a little more about these these districts that are proposed and whether they pass muster uh, on the racial front. Sure, um, I think that it's it, it's a very sensitive and fraught topic, um, especially in this moment in our our political culture. Um, really, what this goes back to is the 1982 reauthorization of the Voting Rights Act, mm -hmm. which essentially established that um, um, states should draw majority minority seats um, wherever it is possible to give cohesive minority populations the opportunity to elect a member of their own choosing, especially in locations where racially polarized voting is 
is present, um, and the other races would block, would vote as a block against them. Um, and so in 1991, in that redistricting process, the, the, the uh, Bush Department of Justice really aggressively um, compels uh, southern states as well to, to, to draw majority minority seats that are just that, a majority of minority voters. Um, and oftentimes, you would see that percentage of the African-American vote pushed, you know, 60, 70, 80 percent, even in some districts above, above 90 percent. Um, and of course, what that also does is it has the effect of bleaching or whitewashing surrounding neighborhoods because every line matters, right? Um, and it would make those districts whiter, more conservative, and more Republican. Um, and this becomes a really complicated issue, right? Because prior to this, you had very few African-American members of Congress. You had a state like North Carolina that had had zero mm-hmm. since 1900, um, and by 1994 has two. And, and so after the 1990 redistricting, you have the largest congressional black caucus since Reconstruction, but you also have the first... Republican majority in in the U.S. Congress in about fifty years. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the, the 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 Voting Rights Act does not technically require majority minority to mean fifty percent plus one. Um, and what we've seen over recent decades is that Republicans are trying to push that number higher. Many Black Democrats who like having safe seats as much as any politician also don't mind that number being higher. And oftentimes, people who, who want to elect more Democrats are trying to push that number lower. Um, and the, the political science right now suggests that a district between 35 and 40 percent African-American still has got the ability to elect a member um, based on white crossover voting. You've got 53 members of the Congressional Black Caucus right now, and only 18 of them come from districts that um, have a black voting age population above 50 percent. Mm-hmm. The median congressional black caucus district in this country is 40 percent. And and that 35 to 45 percent range tends to be where this commission has drawn the um, a black voting age population, both for congressional and also state and from the state legislature. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeff, I wonder if you can talk about this process, given your experience packing uh, African-Americans into districts and places uh, like Detroit. What is what the current commission is doing look like to you? Well, let me share first the, the um, I guess, reveal that there were two main uh, keys to gerrymandering in Michigan. When I sat down to draw maps 10 and 20 years ago, the uh, relying on county and city or township geography, keeping those intact helps Republicans. The other thing that helped Republicans was the Voting Rights Act. 
is the Voting Rights Act, packing those uh, uh, districts, those majority and minority districts into cities like Detroit. Uh, we would sit down and negotiate with certain members of the Black Caucuses in the House and Senate in Lansing, uh, negotiate with them to draw the lines within the city of Detroit, for example. And in turn, they got they voted for the plants. Uh, in 2011 and 20, uh, 2001, there were uh, Black Democrats who voted for the Republican and gerrymandered plans. Uh, that was how we did it. And so uh, packing the uh, 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 African-American population of Detroit into districts that there are several uh, seats in the state house right now that are more than 90% black. And if uh, if that happens again, that only benefits Republicans. And so the, the what the commission is doing, I think, is, is uh, uh, better satisfying the Voting Rights Act, uh, packing uh, uh, black voters in Detroit into these districts minimizes the number of districts in which they can win. I saw maps uh, that were um, um, uh, revealed by a group called Promote the Vote Michigan over the weekend that has uh, what they're calling 20 uh, opportunity districts uh, in and around Detroit for uh, that are more than 40 percent uh, voting age population black that would allow uh, black candidates to win. And so, you know, we have 12 uh, majority black districts in the state house right now. Uh, there are maps out there right now proposing 20 seats. And so I think that, uh, you know, as the commission looks at, uh, at how to satisfy the, the, the state constitution uh, requirements about the Voting Rights Act, the federal law that protects minority voting rights, I think that uh, we will see a greater number of, of districts that will uh, call Voting Rights Act districts. Um, I don't know that majority minority districts uh, are, are the, the, the right uh, term any longer, but they I think that uh, black voters will represent a majority of votes in these uh, democratic primaries in these districts. And I think mm -hmm. that's what needs to be focused on. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue talking about Michigan's new redistricting process and this citizen-led commission that is drawing our congressional and legislative lines for the next 10 years. We want to hear from you, the listeners as well. Are you concerned that the redistricting commission's maps, the proposed maps, might not be fair? Are they dashing the expectations that you had for the way the maps should look? Or are you someone who's confident that when all of this is done, we'll have much more representative political maps than the ones we have in place now, which were drawn by Republicans 10 years ago? What would an ideal map look to you? And how happy are you with the process that uh, the citizen-led commission has adopted so far? 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter, put comments there, and uh, we'll work you into the conversation. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Listening to Detroit today on uh, 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad that you've joined us. My guests are David Daly, who is author of a book about gerrymandering, which we are referring on the radio to as "Rat Bleeped: The True Story Behind the Secret Plan to Steal America's Democracy." He also has a piece 
in the New York Times titled, Voters Wanted Fair Redistricting, They May Get Gerrymandering Instead. Also with us is Jeff Timmer. He is a former Michigan GOP state executive director and longtime political strategist. He helped redraw Michigan's political maps in 2011, and those maps were drawn to heavily favor Republicans who were running for office. We're talking about the new process that we're using here in Michigan. A citizen-led commission is taking a look at all the demographic data in the state and deciding how political lines ought to be drawn, which districts uh, we ought to live in together for the next 10 years. The draft maps of that commission's work are eliciting quite a few reactions across the political spectrum. Lots of people a little disappointed or upset about what they are proposing, in part because it looks so different than what we're used to. Uh, also because there were some uh, strange alliances, let's call them, uh, that, that made the partisan process uh, acceptable to lots of people. That, that uh, process is not what's in place now, and so uh, those alliances really don't have the sway that they might have had before. We want to hear from you uh, as well. What are you making of this entire process? What are you making of citizens drawing the maps uh, ourselves? What are you making of the maps that we are seeing that are being proposed? Uh, do you think they are an improvement to what we had before? Or do you think that we are still maybe stuck in a place where the maps don't fully represent people the way you think they should? Uh, as always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page or Twitter, put comments there, and uh, we'll work you into the, into the process. We especially want to hear from folks who are trying to participate in this process. That's another really important change, I think. Before, uh, when legislators were drawing the maps, we didn't really get to participate in the process at all, let alone even see it. Uh, now there's lots of opportunity for ordinary citizens to watch, uh, to draw their own maps. That's happening uh, on some of the online forums where uh, the commission's work is being discussed. Uh, and soon there's gonna be a public comment period where you will be able to go and tell the commission what you think. Uh, as always, again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones if you want to talk about any of those things. Uh, Jeff, I want to uh, quickly, before we get to listeners, talk about the Republican criticisms of these maps. They are just as strong, I think, as the upset that you're hearing in Detroit right now uh, from African-Americans about the, 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 the maps. Um, in the case of Republicans, it's a question of adhering to county lines, uh, as well as making sure that communities of interest aren't divided up. I hear a lot about the city of Livonia and the way it is being carved up, I suppose, it might be the term, uh, under these maps. What do you make of, of those complaints? Well, as I, I mentioned in the previous segment, uh, the strict, rigid adherence to geography uh, was something that benefited the Republicans. And that's something that specifically was jettisoned 
by the drafters of the constitutional amendment. Uh, there is no requirement in Michigan's constitution any longer uh, to preserve county or municipal boundaries. Uh, they're way, way down on the list of criteria is uh, language that says give consideration to county, city, and township uh, geography. Uh, it doesn't say preserve it. It doesn't say maintain it. Uh, it says give consideration, and it's way down below a lot of other things. And so that's uh, that's the, the mechanism by which the Republicans were able to use what they could argue was subjective uh, criteria, you know, a political boundary, a county, a, a a city boundary. Uh, it's a it's an objective thing. Uh, they could use that to point to and say, look, we're just following municipal boundaries. We're just following county boundaries. But what in reality they, we realized was that benefited us politically. And that's why they're screaming bloody murder right now, because the commission has produced maps that reflect uh, the, the fact that school districts cross city lines that people where people work uh, is in a, a neighboring community to where they live where they go to church might be in a third community uh, their community uh, isn't isn't a, a, a defined and confined by municipal boundaries. And the, the, the commission has done a good job of, of uh, uh, recognizing that and, and building that into the process. And so uh, the, the, the re that's one of the reasons why the Republican criticism is what it is. Yeah. And I expect that criticism to get louder because secretly the Republicans are still kind of pinching themselves that they're getting so lucky because the maps, <laughs> as I mentioned earlier, are still favoring Republicans. Still if, 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 if they were to adopt any of these maps right now, the Republicans could live with it. Um, yeah. You know, I, I can tell you that that's the case. They It still gives them an advantage in the state Senate and state house in Lansing that the, uh, that isn't reflective of the, the true political uh, uh, DNA of Michigan. Yeah. And so, so Jeff, I want to I want to introduce another voice into this conversation, uh, specifically because it's directed at your point, uh, Emily and Troy. Uh, Emily, talk about your reaction to these maps. Yeah, I'm very concerned because they put Troy with Macomb County, and I don't believe we share the same interests. And right now, Emily, talk about what your, your district looks like. Well, right now it zigzags and it's like White Lake and some other more conservative-leaning districts. And <laughs> that wasn't a good fit either. Troy uh -huh. is extremely diverse. Yeah. And we, I grew up in Huntington Woods, moved to Ferndale, Royal Oak, and then Troy, and we're all in Oakland County. Macomb is not Oakland County. Yeah. And uh, Emily, that's a great, that's a great point. And Jeff, I wanted to have her talk about that because it's not just partisans who are have these concerns. It's citizens who are worried about the way these maps might not respect municipal or county boundaries. 
Oh, I'm sure that I'm sure there are, and, but, but uh, you know, there are going, I'm sure for every uh, uh, person in Troy who doesn't want to be in a district with Sterling Heights, you can also find people who would say, yes, I, you know, my, you know, I live in Troy, but I go to church uh, at St. Rene in, in Sterling Heights and, and uh, you know, I work in Warren. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, simply listening to anecdotal stories about what one person likes and what one person doesn't isn't the way to do this process. I don't think that's truly reflective. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I wish we could uh, go on and on with this subject. It's something that absolutely fascinates me. And I think there are a lot of, uh, judging by our phones here, uh, there are a lot of other folks who would like to chime in, but we are uh, out of time. Uh, David Daly and Jeff Timmer, I want to thank you for being here and uh, try to commit the both of you to coming back soon to talk as we get further into this process and start to really talk about the maps. I would love to have this conversation again, but uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. Okay. That's going to do it for us today. Come back tomorrow when we are going to talk about this controversy over comedian David Chappelle and his Netflix special and the many responses it has elicited from across the cultural spectrum. Really interesting conversation about intersectionality, about race, about gender, about sexual identity, all of them in the same cauldron in that conversation. This is 101.9 WDET-FM, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. We will talk again tomorrow.